Welcome to Season 2 of Conversations with Coley Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Miller, and I'm also the author of the book series A through Z, Guide to Raising a Good Human, a book series that I wrote to open up communication amongst parents and children about subjects that we think about, we hear about, and sometimes we experience, but we don't often talk about. This season, I invite you to follow us as we dive deeper than we went last year. And we get raw about subjects like relationships, grief, addiction, all the subjects that we all go through, but we somehow sweep it under the rug and make it our problem to carry on our backs alone. I invite you to check out all of our episodes and see what resonates with you and your story and see if you can gain any insight that might help you along the way. If you haven't heard of us before, you can enjoy season one by visiting our website at conversationswithcoley.info. Holy. Today we are doing something different. I am welcoming a panel to discuss situations, emotions, things we all go through but maybe don't speak about. Today I welcome two mothers and two daughters to talk about the real meat and potatoes of the mother-daughter relationship. Please welcome moms Wendy Babcock and Kelly White. And welcome daughters Jennifer Babcock and Abigail White. Moms, introduce yourselves, who you are, what you do, and what is your life mission. Wendy, you can go first. Wow. Okay. Hi, I'm Wendy Babcock. I'm an international and TEDx speaker, author, and speaker trainer. Um, my life mission. Wow. That's a big one. I think to, to make an impact, to create, to make an impact and create a legacy, obviously for my kids and just make a difference in the world. I like it. Kelly? Um, I'm Kelly White. I am a podcast co-creator and producer, speaker, author. And yeah, with the mother-daughter journey, we want to also make an impact. We want mothers and daughters to really see each other, be there for each other. And I think if they can really learn how to talk to each other, then the world will just be a better place. Agreed. Agreed. All right, ladies, back at you. Abigail, you first. Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Abigail White. I am also a podcast uh, co-creator, um, licensed communication coach, as well as... Oh, that too. Yeah. That too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes. So, and everything that Kelly said about the mother-daughter journey's mission, absolutely. Um, but I also, part of my mission within that is to help raise awareness for adolescents, teens and adolescents on the dangers of masking, um, how that can be <clears throat> enhanced by mental illness and just mental illness awareness in general, um, to really open up and to, to get that connection with their mothers. So. Wow. Thank you for that. Jennifer. 
<laughs> I'm only I'm only 27. Um, <laughs> um, I'm Jennifer. I uh, what do I do? I mostly I create art. That's kind of what I do. I try to do it for the most part. Um, I'm very blessed that I get to focus on what I enjoy and what make brings me happiness because my family is so supportive, especially my mom um, and my boyfriend are wonderful. Um, and I think my life's mission is mostly just to try and be kind to people and to bring them happiness. I That's kind of what I what I do. I like to make art that makes people feel happy or feel something because it's all my emotions too. I think that you actually do that quite well because I've seen your art and there's a lot of huge messages in your art. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, daughters, icebreaker question time. Jennifer, we're going to, we're going to start with you this time. Okay. Yep. Describe your mom in one word. Well, my first, my very first thought was sparkly. Ooh. Um, <laughs> love it. Was love my very it. first thought. <laughs> I think it's actually quite accurate. <laughs> Abigail, your turn. Warm. Nice. Nice. Warm. First thing that came to mind. All right, mothers. It's time for the daughters. Wendy, you first. Describe Jennifer in one word. Oh boy. Um, the word that comes to mind with her is soulful. Cause I just feel like, you know, her soul just shines right through her. I like it. I like it. Kelly. Resilient was the first thing that came to mind for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you know what I like is I like the reaction. I like <laughs> I've never once kind of thought myself as resilient. So that's amazing. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> so let's start with moms. Let's go with Kelly first. Summarize your relationship with your daughter. Oh boy. Can that be done? I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> My relationship <laughs> with Abigail is it's it's so much. It's we're best friends, we're business partners, we are confidants, we're mother daughter, we are combatants. <laughs> we, I mean, it, it, it runs the gamut of all the emotions, which is why I love it so much. Yeah. Wendy. Oh, I was thinking with Jennifer and I, I would say I would describe our relationship as evolved. We have come so far in our relationship, you know, from battling it out through high school sometimes <laughs> to mm -hmm you know, being able to really talk and really like discuss the hard things that we I don't think we could have before. And so I would say our relationship just, just in a brief word is really evolved. Yeah, I like that. Love Jennifer. It. I would say, I would say blossomed. Like, I, I think that I, I feel like we, I feel like the road that we've traveled at this point, looking back, it makes sense now. Kind of like you know when a flower grows and they have like the little the little ball with the top and then it doesn't really look like anything and then suddenly one day you look at it and it's open. That's kind of what I feel like my relationship with my mom is. Is that all of a sudden I just feel like it blossomed and we clicked and it. I don't know, like it 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 took a lot of work to get here, but I would say bloomed, oh, blossomed. Yeah. I love it, Abigail. Um, 
Yes, I think I think Jennifer's going to make me cry at some point during. This. I know she's <laughs> an artist with her words as well. Oh man, um, I would describe my relationship with my mother as with my my mother with with my mom as um, genuine and strong. And I mean, I'll, I'll echo what Jennifer said too. Um, is that it took a lot of work to get there, but it, it's the most genuine connection I've ever had with anyone in my entire life. Um, and it's shown me how to have a genuine connection with others. So I can always rely on it. I love that. I love that. And that's exactly it in a nutshell is that the mother daughter relationship is all of those things. And then some, it's not easy. It's like a lot of relationships takes work. It's hard and you go through things and we should be able to talk about those things openly without judgment or negative emotions attached to it. And so I really thank you all for being here to really kind of be honest and raw about what this relationship really is about, because it's all those big adjectives that we just were talking about. And like Jennifer said, it's like a flower that starts from nothing and then it blooms and it blooms. So thank you. Have you ever had an outside source try to disrupt your relationships? If anyone has ever had that, please, whoever wants to go first. We want to go back. Abigail, I mean, you're, you're dying to talk, so go ahead, Abigail. <laughs> oh man, no, I mean, other we've had um, extended family that has, and and granted, our relationship hasn't always been perfect because no relationship is, and like we were saying, it's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point. Um, but some extended family members in the past had tried to persuade us that our closeness wasn't normal or healthy, um, that we were too close, that we shouldn't be best friends, that we should only be mother or daughter. Like there's no, there needs to be a boundary and God, they're so wrong. <laughs> um, just saying, but so, so yes, we've definitely had that. And, and with it being other family members too, who we considered, you know, part of the, the unified front, I guess. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's the right way to put it, but um, it was it was hard to identify whether it was they were you know whether they were right or right. We really had to take a good look at our relationship, um, and yeah, there were some things that needed to be fixed for sure. A little we would talk about codependency sometimes, and that was a part of our relationship, yeah, definitely. Um, but overall, no, they were. I, I would like to say they were wrong, and that we can be mother and daughter and best friends and co-workers and have it all, so. Yeah. Wendy and Jennifer, do you have anything to, that you would like to share? Um, yeah. Mom, if you wanna go first, that's okay. No, go for it. Go ahead, Jennifer. Uh, I was gonna say that I don't know if, I don't know if mom has experienced this, but I've definitely experienced attacks on my, like people trying to make me think my mom wasn't, as good a person as I felt that she was. Um, that is a thing that has existed in my life and for a long time during the hard years, of course, um, mostly when I was younger, not so much anymore, but when I was much younger, I definitely had some nameless people that were 
very adamant that I shouldn't be close with my mom. Um, and obviously that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy. Yeah. I, and I would, I think too, is we have a lot of generational trauma in our family. And so our communication is, was the go-to was always don't never talk directly to the person you have a problem with. You always go behind their back. And like, I'd call my sister or I'd call my other daughter or Jennifer would call her cousin or my sister. And there was just always like all the channels behind the scenes were connecting. And some of the people who truly needed to connect. And I think as a whole in our family, we've all been really working on being better about it and really just kind of opening communication lines, I think. Um, but it's really hard when you have, you know, family with different personalities and it's very complex and, you know, not listening to any chatter that's going on, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just truly knowing, I think, okay, here's where I want to go. I think truly knowing who each of us are to each other. So when you hear something about another person, like Jennifer said, you know, there was, you know, a person in our lives or in her life that was, you know, kind of on a mission to destroy my character her knowing who I am and feeling confident and that is important to, you know, so we all have versions of the people in our lives that are different from the other people around us. There's always a version. Um, but being confident in that and knowing who each other is, I think makes, has made a big difference. Yeah, I agree. And what's funny is that you each nodded in knowing, like, as soon as I said, has anyone in an outside influence tried to directly impact your relationship all of us can say yes yeah yeah Starting i think i'd like to add though that i don't think those people have an intention of trying to like hurt our relationship at least not in our case mm -hmm. we have we we had a lot to deal with in our relationship mental illness all sorts of things and everybody thought they knew how to do it better or how to fix it or how to get us back to you know normal all the all the things so i think a lot of it was out of love but because of where it came from it was a hindrance mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so moving forward what can we say to people who might be listening to this who might insert themselves in a relationship especially a mother-daughter relationship because mother-daughter relationships are like no other relationship. They go really, really deep. And this is someone that you look to as your role model to be your ride or die with no one having to die. Yeah. What do we say to the people who may see in a relationship like Kelly and Abigail, you're too close, or your mother isn't who you think you are, like Jennifer was talking about? How do we? convey a message to people like, hey, maybe this is not your message to carry? Yeah, I, I would start out with assuming good intentions first, because I mean, usually the, the default is this, an this is an attack from the outside. I know that's always how I used to see it. They're saying I'm a bad mother. They're saying this and this, and I would get defensive. Mm -hmm. But if we assume, if we know the person who's coming to us, especially if it's family, you know, assume good intentions and just make it clear say you know I, I know you're coming to me for with love and out of concern and i really appreciate it but i really want to keep this between my daughter and i to work on our relationship you know in, in the way that we do it best you know i would just keep it nice and simple when possible yeah yeah 
I um I think my answer is a little I mean I agree with you Wendy but it's a little different in the respect that I think it all comes from within I don't think that we can control what other people are going to do and what other people are going to say even when we talk to them in a very compassionate way people they hear their own thing right they have their own life experiences that they hear through so my thing is work on yourself and your relationship with your daughter you guys know each other best and then be compassionate in the people that are interfering or thinking that they know best and do what you have to do to keep your relationship strong yeah that's yeah i love that yeah mm -hmm. daughters do you have anything um i mean for me I, my my thought was actually along the same line as wendy's where i would think if somebody were trying to right because they probably are coming from a place of love um I would thank them for that. Like, thank you for, you know, sh you're showing that you care. Like, I under I understand that this isn't necessarily an attack, um, but every relationship is, like we say all the time, every relationship is a snowflake. And, you know, I, like I thank you for for your input, but this is something that. Is between the two of us and every relationship is a snowflake so please let us handle it i like that jennifer um i was gonna say that for those people who see a mother-daughter relationship and because i i've been on both sides of this coin of of being in a relation having a relationship with my mother that someone you know isn't necessarily very happy with and also being the person on the outside of a mother-daughter relationship and wondering what can i do to help mm. like all i want to do is help them but mm -hmm. the reality is is that i can't it's not my place it's not my position i i can't when you're in that role as kind of you know the third wheel all you have to really remember is that all you can do is reach out to them with kindness and let them talk about it if they want to talk about it leave them alone when they want to be left alone that it's not your place to try and fix problems that are not your problems to fix um and i think i that's just my perspective on that because i've seen i've been on both sides of that and it's it's it does come from a place of love but i can i've i've you know i've been had to get yelled at a couple times that hey well, not yell at, but like, <laughs> calm down. You're good. Let us figure it out. Like I've, I've been that person. And I think that, I don't know, just remembering that they are individuals who have a long, long relationship, a long story. They've been building the story for a long time and you're coming in on, you know, one small footnote in a chapter of this, you know, thousand page book um so it's just important to remember that if they seek you out and they want to talk about things great if they don't that's also okay too mm -hmm. so come from a place maybe of holding space yes and trying to fix i like yeah. that thank you <laughs> thanks so daughters this one's for you do you view your relationship with your mother as a what to do or what not to do viewpoint. So for me, I talk a lot about 
viewing my mother as a what not to do. So girls, whoever wants to go first, do you view your relationship with your mom as a what to do or what not to do manual? <laughs> I, I'll, Jennifer, if you don't mind, unless you go right ahead. Um, I actually view it as both. So she has, I've been blessed to have a mother who's shown me what not to do. Um, but I've also been blessed to have a mother who has grown and I've been able to grow side by side with her and, and go through this journey together. And so now she's been able to show me what to do. And so it's, it's kind of nice actually to say, I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen both. I've seen both sides of the coin. At first she told me not what not to do. Um, and it wasn't working. Right. So that's, that was part of our journey is what she was passing down, which was passed down to her and what she was passing down to me just was not working for me at all. I couldn't do it. I couldn't conform. Um, and lo and behold, mental illness played a part and really, really, really shook our foundation. And that's when we both, that's the, what do you, what do you say? That's the day life turned on a dime and um, day life turned on a dime, life turned on a dime and the, the growth journey began and we were able to do it together. And she's been walking a couple steps ahead of me, showing me what to do ever since it. then. So I love it. Jennifer. Honestly, I'm going to have to echo that. That's I, I feel the same way of it's kind of a both because I don't know. I, I guess I also got to experience watching my mother grow as a person. And I think that is such a blessing. It's so cool. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful feeling to know that, I don't know, that I got to see her become the person she is today. And like now, now I feel that a lot of our experience together are me going, mom, help me. <laughs> you know what to do. Like, you know how to do these things and I have no idea. And like, thank you for helping me. And then in the past, like we had our differences, we had problems, again, a lot of mental health stuff. And we really didn't know, we didn't have the words for it way back when, not, I say way back when, as if I'm not only 27. <laughs> Uh, it feels like way back when I, I love it. it. Don't worry. <laughs> it's been a tall mountain. To be honest, it feels like a forever ago. Mm -hmm. Like my like thinking of my mom as the what not to do, that that version of her seems like a forever ago. Like it it doesn't feel real anymore. Like I learned I learned from things, but like I don't I don't think that version of her really exists anymore. Now it feels more like we've moved into mom, help me. I, I don't like, I, I feel comfortable in that relationship that we can talk about things and that, I don't know, I have so much to learn from her and I learn so much from her on a regular basis. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my two cents. Yeah. And that's your, your flower is blooming and yeah. that's, the, that's the blooming stage you're in moms. How about from your moms? Were your moms a what to do or what not to do or both? Well, I, if you don't mind, I'll go first, Kelly. Um, I would say mine was more of a what not to do in most cases. Um, there was some, there was good, of course, there was good, but 
her generation was a lot different from from mine you know she's the baby boomer generation you know in the working you know kind of they want to have a career do their thing kids were kind of a second thought um so i always felt like you know she was always number one in her life and everybody else might be on her radar <laughs> um yeah i it, yeah i would say it was definitely more of a what not to do you know i mean there was my stepdad who she married you know there was abuse there and she didn't stop it um and so then just pretending like that didn't happen you know which was also really hard um you know so trying to take you know my childhood and how i was raised and and trying to figure out what good things i could take out of it for my kids and of course we all make mistakes and then you know how can i change the patterns and what happened to my sister and i growing up you know what can you know so it, but again there were there were also good things like my mom she there was a lot of things she just led with her whole heart mm -hmm. she was a very kind person you know mm -hmm. so it was a it's a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde situation in, in some instances where you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to strangle this woman. But then it's like she does something so kind and generous. You're just like, oh my gosh, how did I ever have a bad thought about her? You know, now that she's gone, it's even harder. I still struggle with that. But, um, you know, it's, it's still a bit of a combination, but I definitely weigh heavier on the what not to do, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Yeah. Kelly? Yeah, I'm going to go with the both as well but more like Wendy of a what not to do in the respect that ego's in the way with her, right? And, and that's my perception on it. My mother is a wonderful person and I have so many awesome memories. I mean, the holidays and she would go above and beyond to make everything perfect, but she also has a mental illness. OCD is so everybody had to go above and beyond right so there was a lot of things that she just wasn't aware of and again it's generational we didn't talk about mental we're just like breaking that barrier now we Abigail and I are very loud and proud about talking about mental illness but that's still a problem for my mom like don't talk about things that she doesn't believe in she's been able to control it in all of the things so yeah, I lean towards more of a not what to do because a lot of things get swept under the rug and you, you know, you, that generation, you sh keep your problems in the closet and you just show the perfect side, which has been really detrimental to our youth. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. That's part of the reason why this podcast exists is to not sweep things under the rug. Can I ask some questions about the mother-daughter relationship in terms of the mental illness side. Are you girls comfortable? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I think that there's a lot of parents that struggle with kids that struggle, right? So whoever wants to go first, can you share a little bit of your mental health journey together and how that impacted your relationship? I mean, this is a topic Abigail and I are pretty comfortable with. So Wendy, if you don't mind us we'll going go first. It. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind if I, um, I, I also, something you just said, Nicole, about um, parents struggle with children who struggle. And I also want to recognize that 
often the parents are struggling as well, but it hasn't been talked about or recognized or diagnosed because these things are genetic. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, I just want to like throw that validation out there to the parents who also are probably going through struggles and now it's reflected in their children. Right. And they can't look away from it. And I think that's what's happening. Well, and also let's normalize it. One in four people are struggling with a mental illness in the United States. It's, it's not a, you know, an obscure thing. So for us, my mom has OCD. She knows she does and it's, she controls it how she feels best, right? She has, she controls her world because she can't have things out of place or out of control is against medication and is against talking about it. I also have OCD. I have clinical depression, anxiety, have had a nervous breakdown. Like all of these things have happened. Abigail, when she was a senior in high school, had a plan to take her own life because she was masking all of the things that we didn't look at. We just, we were sleeping under, we the, were rug. Sleeping under the rug and just thinking they were personality flaws. And why can't we just be better? Too sensitive, too dramatic. All of the things. Overreacting. And so for us, for, I would say the first five years of this journey, we listened to a lot of exterior voices. Just get back to normal. Just get it fixed. That's a problem. Don't talk about it. Fix it. Not figure out how to live with it, but fix it. (laughs) Medicate it. All the things. For the second five years, we kind of invited it to the dinner table (laughs) and said, all right, let's get to know you and how can we coexist together? In the chapter of the book I wrote um, in Shining a Light on Grief, I talked about how living with mental illness is a dance. Sometimes mental illness takes the lead and sometimes you're in the lead. And you have to figure out what triggers the mental illness to take the lead so that you can become more aware of it each time. But when it does take the lead, you got to just sit back and give yourself time not to fight it, right? You got you to feel it, let it do what you need to do to get it back under control before it spirals out into things like suicide, nervous breakdowns, and all of that. So that's our journey with mental illness. And since we've invited it to the dinner table, it doesn't take the lead very often because we've learned how to live with it and invite it in as a friend. I like it. That's awesome. Have a I mean, that's a very well, well summarized. <laughs> yeah. um, what, what do I want to add to that? Since we've invited it, I, I do like, I love the way that she says, you know, we invited it to the dinner table and we started to actually talk to it. And oddly enough, I've become friends with my mental illness. If that makes sense, because it has provided me with a lot of unique abilities, right? So it's not, it's not like we always look at it as like this. Yes, it can be a challenge and a difficulty, but it can also be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think because of it, it's made, I'm, I'm much more open and compassionate to others. Right. And I don't know, I think. Just keep talking about it. Just, yeah. The the more open I've become with it as well. I've, I've come to realize that people need 
us to talk about it. Because mm-hmm. whenever I do, and whenever I am open about my my journey and my struggles and challenges with mental illness, I always, always get at least one person who responds with, oh my gosh, yes, I've been there. But they're not able to say that unless we take the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's all about loving and accepting all parts of you. <laughs> Yeah. And thank you for saying it. And thank you for still being here. Let's say that. Thank you. Um, Do you want to go first, Jennifer, or do you want me to? Um, Either way, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, Well, I'll jump in quick and then you can share your side of things. Um, So from from my perspective, um, it's been an interesting journey because in, in our family, there is a lot of mental health issues that were never recognized when undiagnosed. My mom, especially, you know, we, we could see it from the outside, but again, you didn't talk about it. You didn't call it what it was. I brought up OCD to my mom once and she had a fit as she's organizing everything on her little table, just so, so it all lined up in perfect little rows. And she insisted she didn't have OCD. So it's an interesting topic. So then with my own daughter, I feel like, you know, we, with watching her from my perspective, struggle in school and things and trying to pinpoint what that was, um, it was hard because at, at a very young age, they were telling to tell me that she had ADHD and I just was convinced she did not have it. Hindsight, yeah, she probably was struggling with ADHD, but I was of the mindset that that's just a, a BS diagnosis. She's fine. She, she loves books. She could bury her head in a book for hours and hours. So in my mind, what they were telling me was not legit. <clears throat> and so hindsight, of course, is 2020, right? You know, and so I, I continually watched her struggle in school and then, you know, trying to get her in to talk to a physician at one time. I don't know if you remember that, Jennifer, I don't know how old you were. I think you were in mm-hmm. high school, freshman, maybe. Um, was this when I first got diagnosed with depression? Yes. Yeah, I was, I would have been 16, 17. Yeah. And, you know, and, and trying to like recognize that this isn't, you know, she's not being lazy. She's not, cause she's not doing her work. It's not, you know, just being willfully like, <laughs> you know, what's the word, um, not wanting to do it, you know, and recognize that there was a, something else going on. And then a little later in her life, and I won't put words in her mouth. I'll let her tell her own story, but like other things that happened to her, you know, and then saying, okay, kind of similar story to Kelly and Abigail, where it's like, we need somebody to intervene here, you know? Uh, Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. Thank you for sharing this. Jennifer. (laughs) I need a second. If you want to go ahead, Jennifer, just this. Um, I actually, it's kind of ironic that I'm up um watching me go through my stuff and not really knowing what it was and and thinking you were doing the best thing you could do at the moment because that's all the information you had I went through the exact same thing with mom I I I got to a point at first I didn't understand anything and then like I didn't under I couldn't understand why we just didn't know how to talk to each other like we that communication, I would we would say something, we'd be saying the same thing, but because somebody used the different words, it just, you know, we just couldn't figure it out. And then 
one day I, I, after going to counseling for a little while and, um, and dealing with all that stuff, I like suddenly realized that I was only considering my own problems, like to be like valid. I, I wasn't considering that maybe I'm expecting my mom to do things like to, to understand me that she should know what I'm thinking, that she should do these things when that's not a reality. If, if my struggles are valid, then so are hers. So, so are, so are yours, mom. Like that's, it's that you struggle with things too. And me ask constantly asking you to go above and beyond when that's just not a possibility isn't fair. And that's when I started to really like, oh my gosh, I'm laying these expectations at your feet and just watching, like I'm preparing you to fail for no reason. I'm setting you up to fail. And then I like, I remember very vividly the day I, I had to apologize to my counselor because she, she was telling me that I was, you know, that I was holding mom to these expectations that were unreasonable. And I, I pushed back and I argued with her and I was like, I don't, you don't understand. And then me and mom were talking about something and we were talking and I was expecting one reaction and she gave me another reaction. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just setting her up to fail for no reason. There's no reason I can't just say, this is what I'm feeling. Like, mom, I want you to talk to me or mom, I need to, I just need to vent to you right now. Like, there's no reason I couldn't just say those things instead of assuming that my mom would be a mind reader. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there, there's like this moment of like, I feel like in our family specifically, people are much more open to me, the child having mental illness problems versus recognizing that my mom does. Um, and that that's a factor in all of this too. Like it's easier for them to say that I'm, I'm I struggle, I have, these things whatever because they I don't know why but when it comes to my mom I feel like that's that's a whole part of it too that's why we ended up connecting when we did was because I suddenly realized oh my gosh my mom is in the same boat as me why didn't I realize this before like we're very similar we just don't we just couldn't communicate it and I don't know I think that that's the realizing that you're like the other person in your mother-daughter relationship is also struggling because I think so many mother-daughter relationships are struggling with this specific thing mm -hmm. um and I think the most important thing to remember is that you're both valid in those feelings like one of them is not more important than the other I get tired of hearing that I get tired of people assuming that my struggles are somehow more like more like like more excusable than mm. my if that makes sense mm -hmm. no I think I track what you're saying there because mm -hmm. you're young you should just kind of what we were taught suck it up yeah well no it's that my, my our family is okay with me struggling like they not in a bad way not like not like they're right. like oh struggle and fail like haha but no <laughs> everyone's very warm to me Everyone's very understanding when I struggle. And I, I do feel like, I do feel like that that's because I'm younger, because I'm, I'm young and things like that. And like a lot of stuff from like, like when my teenage years, when me and mom used to go head to head and stuff like that, 
a lot of that was caused because we were both going through these issues. It's not mm -hmm. because I was struggling and mom wasn't understanding me. It was because she was also struggling and didn't have the words, didn't have the, the understand. We, did, we didn't have anything to go off of. It was just mm -hmm. what felt right in the moment. And yeah, uh, those, all those things go hand in hand. I agree. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll jump back into I, I just get a little overwhelmed when I think back to some of those days and the struggles that Jennifer had. So it's like, take a breath, Wendy, um, because it was, you know, really dar a dark moments, I would say for Jennifer too. And then as a mom, that's a dark moment for me then too. And I think mm -hmm. recognizing my own mental health struggles and the things, you know, overcoming, you know, childhood and domestic abuse and those things and struggling through that myself when Jennifer went into um, the second counselor that you really, Judy, that she really liked, um, I also started going to see, seeing counseling for myself. And that I think really helped because then I learned how to communicate better. And Jennifer and I remember, you'll remember this phone call we had, um, being on the phone with her and just saying to her, um, how can I improve? Is I'm open to it. You're not gonna hurt my feelings, but I need to know. And I remember her saying, I don't want to change you, mom. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're trying to change me. I'm saying if I do something that, that for your, from your perspective bothers you, hurts your feelings, you know, you know, I, I, I invalidate you somehow. I need to know that. I need you to tell me that so that I can either, I can self-reflect because if I don't self-reflect what I'm putting out into her world, we can't ever grow. And mm -hmm. so it's really hard as a mom sometimes because when, when your kids tell you, Hey, you did this. It, it again, it feels like you're being attacked because that's what my mom always did. It was an attack on her person and who she is as a mother. And so it, it's a hard thing to get through, to get over, to finally step back and say, okay, I, I need to be better somehow, you know, a better mom and listen more. Like, not even a better mom, a better human, just to be more open to listening and saying, okay, next time this happens, I will try and approach it in this way. Maybe I need to take a breath before I speak. <laughs> instead of you know rah 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 you did this to me you know um and i think that's made a bigger impact than a lot of things that we've been through just really listening to one another yeah yeah i agree i agree so moms when you hear that your child is struggling or was contemplating ending their life can you describe the first gut reaction that's a hard one. I was at work um, when Jennifer called me. I was also at work, but it wasn't Abigail that was calling me. It was the school that was calling me. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's almost like an indescribable feeling. <laughs> really, it's it's. Yeah. You have no. You have. You're trying to stand on water, and you can't. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, then, you're just like you know. You know. You need to keep your head above the water so that you can hold them up but mm -hmm. you literally just have a mouth <laughs> hanging out the top if i could try to describe it physically like you're just yeah. taking in air and that's really all it feels like you're doing and mm -hmm. kelly i don't know if you experienced this but i felt like that day getting in the car leaving work to go home i felt like i was in slow motion but going as fast as i could at the same time mm -hmm. you know it was just this moment of kind of holy crap is this really happening in my life right now is this you know kind of how do i fix it because i'm a fix it person 
you know, and then just rushing to get there and, and hope, you know, I somehow can help. And I don't, you know, you just feel kind of helpless, even though you want to do everything in your power and you don't know if you're doing the right things, saying the right things. Mm -hmm. And it just, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's indescribable in a way that yeah. feeling that you go through. Mm -hmm. I mean, extreme fear. <laughs> yeah. Fear. Yeah. That's huge. You know? mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of why, how things like that. Daughters, how did it feel when your struggles were outed to your mothers? What was that first gut feeling like mom knows? Um, I don't know to go first here. I can, I can go. I, I, um, I, I called my mom when circumstances got really bad and I, um, I was struggling really, really hard and my gut, my gut like drop was when I realized I needed to tell my mom when I got put to the point, like almost past the point of return, like no return. And I realized that I needed, the only person I needed to talk to was my mom because it would make it real. And I would actually have to deal with it um, because it was suddenly very, very real. Right. And I, I knew that the only person who could, I don't know, that it, it, the only person who could make it better would be my mom. And it was, but it was also terrifying because I didn't want to have to tell her. Right. I didn't want to explain to her what situation I was in. Um, but that was, that was my gut reaction was I had, I needed to tell her and it was a very scary feeling. Ugh. You know, and just to jump in real quick, real quick, Abigail, before you, um, um, with my daughter, with Jennifer, um, it's not the phone call a mom ever wants to get. But I, I feel very blessed, I guess, that she had the courage to call me because most kids don't. Um, and so in that moment that she had that, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> That's, Wendy, so true because um, I was that child. I had no intention of letting my mom know or see until it was too late. Um, I, I was blessed to, um, have a friend who noticed when my mask slipped up, so to speak, um, and told the people who like the adults, right. The principal who then called her and, and all of that stuff. And this is how everything kind of started going. But the first feeling I remember having when I was told like, okay, we called your mom she's coming in and we've told her that you're having suicidal ideations was shame. I felt really ashamed of, of myself that, which uh, that, I mean, it's been a, a, we say this the whole time, right? It's been a very long journey since then. And I no longer feel that shame. That was part of the resistance for the first five years since since that day of like oh let's just fix it let's just right because we were taught to sweep it under the rug sweep it under the rug and so the fact that it couldn't stay under the rug that i i just couldn't i was so ashamed 
Um, but yeah, that I'm, I'm very blessed that the only, I mean, the reason I'm here is one, because I had a friend who cared enough and noticed enough. And two, because I was afraid of leaving my mom behind with the pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, so. Wow. Thank you all for sharing that. So I'm going to just say and assume that that is probably the darkest periods of your relationships. Would that be safe to say that's probably the darkest? So how do we know from the dark like that where it's mental health struggles, suicide and things like that and you're experiencing so much hurt, miscommunication, how did you get it on the right track? Um, I'll jump in. So for Jennifer and I, honestly, that was a dark point, but we had one more hurdle to face after that. And that's where after that, um, and I won't share unless Jennifer wants to share, she can, that's her story to tell, but um, we had the one other hurdle to, to get through before we could really start fixing our relationship too. And, and Jennifer had a, a lot of work ahead of her with her journey and healing. Um, and I feel like that was more when we started both healing. So I think that's when I also got into counseling was after that. Um, you know, so I mean, we had a couple of really dark moments, you know, for things that Jennifer went through um, and then trying to cope together and, you know, move through that to try and heal ourselves individually and then work on our relationship as a mother daughter and communicate in a different way. And I always used to say that our communication styles were I'm a very literal person and she's very figurative. So as you can hear, Jennifer speaks in metaphors and she speaks in art and you know, so she sees things. Our our first doctor that we talked to when I brought Jennifer in for depression, she described it to me as she says, one day as we're sitting in this room, you see the four walls and the light coming in. She's I guarantee Jennifer's looking at how it's shaded in that corner over there. And she's looking at the different shades and things in the room that you don't even see. And that I'm like, oh my gosh, you just put everything in perspective for me with how we we see the same things, but in such a different light. And that was kind of an, an aha moment for me. So, yeah, wow. Jennifer? Um, we have, one of the things I like to say uh, about our family life is that um, there's never a dull moment. Um, there's never, there's not a month that goes by where something doesn't happen, where there's always all these big things that always feels like there's all these things going, going on. I would say that um, the time mom's talking about and that we were talking about previously was probably the darkest in our relationship though. It, it, it was very difficult and we hit roadblocks even after that in the aftermath and, and you know, life goes on and more struggles happen. And I think that our, our journey, like this big, this, it, it, it really, it's really difficult when you keep hitting those roadblocks. Mm -hmm. But I think after that really dark point in our relate in like, well, in my life and in our lives and in our relationship, after that, that moment, after those times, I think that that's what gave us the strength to continue pushing through all of the roadblocks 
because in the past the roadblocks would have stopped us in our tracks and we would have lost all of our progress and and you know just floundered um and instead we suddenly knew that this was worth fighting for this was something we had to climb over we had to work through um so like it, that you know it the darkness kind of proved to us that there was a light at the end of the tunnel yeah or at least made us want that light yeah, yeah. and real quick i'll add sometimes we're not always on the same page like i might be in a period of you know growth i might be in a period of depression same with jennifer so we're not being a mother daughter even though we, yeah we're fighting for the same thing we're not always on the same page you know where she might be pulling away i might be pushing myself into her life and vice versa you know, in, in that growth mode. So, I mean, just because one person's really working hard towards something doesn't mean the other one's ready to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just saying that sometimes, you know, mother and daughter, then we're not always on the same page with, with our healing journey and where we both maybe need to be, you know, but there's a point to where there's a pivot somewhere that happens or happened with Jennifer and I, I think there's a pivot where we both all of a sudden magically ended up on the same page and we're like, oh, okay. We're, we're, we're trying to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think for me, the pivot really, ha I mean, it was one day at a time. So that's, that's how you approach it. First off is just one day at a time. We, we say all the time, you know, the Maya Angelou quote, do the best that you can until you know better. I mean, I'm butchering it, but you know, once you know better, you work towards doing better. And that's kind of a philosophy we live by. But I think the real major turning point for me was the day I realized that it was not my job to make her happy, it was my, not my job to fix her. It was not my job to do any of it. My job was to let her know that I'm here when she needs me and that I'm always going to love her. Like my definition of happiness isn't her definition of happiness. Like what I think she should do with her life is not what she should do with her life. Like none of those things that we all think of as parents, you know, we have this vision. And the day that I realized that my happiness was my job and I was feeling miserably at that because I didn't like myself, right? I was looking at, look at what's happening to my child. I can't even help her. And so once I started concentrating on my happiness and liking me, things started to change. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, so true. And I think that's it kind of goes back around to one of the earlier questions you asked about was my mom an example of what not to do or what to do? And if we look back on that that day, um, which definitely would be the darkest day in our relationship. Um, in our relationship, I don't know if it was we both have had ups and downs. Right. Right. Um, like Jennifer was saying, it's it's a mountain and sometimes there's a little bit of a rock slide and you, you go backwards and that's, and, and we're all on our own mountain, right? Like it's my mountains, its own thing. Hers is her own thing. And we're just climbing side by side. Um, yeah. And it was when that realization happened of, well, do you mind if I share? No. So, um, she also ended up, so we, we both have, um, obviously we have, we, we have a lot of the same struggles, um, with anxiety and depression and they, what's the word I'm looking for? Express themselves 
physically a lot through stomach issues. Like that's always, always been a thing. And we always just kind of categorize it as, oh, we just have a little bit of IBS or we need to like, whatever. It's normal to be in this much pain when you're on the toilet. It's not, it's not. <laughs> okay. Like it's not. She had to go there, but anyway. <laughs> we got to bring a little laughter into this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you ended up having like terrible, terrible stomach problems. And I ended up having terrible, terrible stomach problems. And we realized that it was, that it was connected to our mental well-being and our emotional well-being. And once we kind of recognize like, oh, we're both not well, like, it's not just my healing journey. It's her healing journey and my healing journey and our healing journey. Right. And that was kind of when that shift happened that you were talking about mom with the, oh, you're not responsible for my happiness. And I had to actually kind of come to the same realization that I'm not responsible for hers. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I, I had always lived through the lens of, I need to be a good daughter. I have to live up to these expectations. I'm, I'm smart. So I should, I'm, I don't know, like all those things. Right. So once we both came to the realization that our happiness is our own responsibilities and that climbing the mountain is our own work and all we can do is cheer each other on and and provide a little safety net for when we do have that rock slide for each other that's that's when things really started to take a turn um and it had and it was day by day it's mm-hmm one day at a time. It's still, it still is day by day. It still is day by day, of course. A relationship, relationships are day by day. Yes. We are humans. It's okay to have emotions. Sometimes we're going to say things the other one doesn't like. Sometimes we're going to look a certain way. The other one doesn't find desirable, (laughs) right? Yes. But one thing we have learned to do is stop and say, Hey, this is what I just saw or what I just heard. Is that what you meant to say or do? Because, you know, we're not in each other's heads and we're living from our own experiences. And so just stopping and saying that to each other. I mean, sometimes it's, yeah, I'm I'm annoyed. And that is what I meant to say. Sorry, I shouldn't have. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, no, that's not what I meant. And, And let me rephrase. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Wendy and Jennifer, do you have anything to say to that point? I, I love that. Um, I, I want to incorporate that too. Like, you know, but I think Jennifer and I are very gentle with one another. I would say we're very careful with our words. Um, when we do have conversations, I think we really think about the other person, you know, and again, this is that blossom relationship. This is not how it always was, but I think we are, you know, very, uh, we kind of walk, treat each other with kind of with kid gloves in a way, but there's times when, you know, something has to be said. It's a hard conversation. We've had those two where I trap her in a car and I'm like, listen, we got to talk. <laughs> Isn't that kidnapping? That- <laughs> that- that- Jennifer. <laughs> I deserved it. <laughs> well, that was a great, it was a moment where I knew I had to have a hard conversation with her and I wasn't sure if she was going to receive it as I'm saying this to you lovingly or mom, I just, 
don't even talk to me, <laughs> you know, leave me alone. I didn't know what to expect. So we were in a car ride and I just kept thinking to myself, I just want to wait for the opening for the right moment. I'm like, you know, it's now or never. <laughs> I'm like, she can't run away. She's in the car with us. <laughs> and so I just like, look, I, and I said it, you know, I'm saying this with love and I, you know, and she, she received it really well with grace and uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, as graceful as you can. Uh, <laughs> luckily, luckily you were very nice with me. You were very gentle. I think the word gentle is a really good one to apply to my mom and how me and my mom communicate now. Yeah. Um, it's just that we, it's not, I, I wouldn't describe it as kid gloves. I would just as like a, an awareness of the other person's feelings, like taking everything we've learned from each other and applying it to, to, to what we're doing and how we speak to each other. And like, you know, if mom tells me that something or a way I say things or a thing that I do doesn't really, it makes her feel bad or makes her feel not okay. I take that and I go, okay, well, next time I will phrase it differently. I will approach the situation differently because I'm taking your feelings into consideration. Um, and I think that's one of the ways our, I think that's the reason that we can have those hard conversations when they do come up is because I do know taking my feelings into consideration. She's not doing this to be mean, but she's not like trying to control my life or whatever it was I said when I was 15. Um, <laughs> um, so real. But it's, it, it's because she cares about me. And it's just that knowing that, and I hope that she feels that I do the same thing. I try um, like trying to, just, just being aware of the other person in a way and like who we really are as people um, mm -hmm. and acknowledging that we're allowed to be two different people and that's okay. Like exactly what you guys were saying before and then so well said, by the way, like just that, that, that you all, both have your own journey, but that you can, you know, you can talk to each other nice. You can support each other. You can cheer on from the crowd. Um, without and that and that's not a bad thing that's a really good thing to be able to do like that is good like just because we can't rescue them if they fall doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't good enough mm -hmm. um which is something i struggle with a lot of you said you struggle with shame i i struggle with uh guilt a lot it's kind of one of my first emotions at this point when anything happens i immediately feel guilty um that i i'm not trying hard enough um, Does the word burden ever pop into your head? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Far too often. Far too often. <laughs> uh, but luckily, I have a mom who is able to say things in a gentle way so that I don't feel it it's, could be much, much worse. It could be much, much worse. Um, and I do need, I need someone to be able to tell me in a gentle but firm manner I'm going to lock you in this car and we're going to have a conversation <laughs> and Jennifer, require on a regular basis, not a regular basis, but I require. <laughs> um, and that's why our priors too. <laughs> I, I have to also add in that those conversations, um, have taken a lot of practice. Yes. Oh, like it definitely did not happen overnight. Cause <laughs> like Jennifer was saying, like we've taken into account everything that we've learned about the other mm -hmm. person. Right. And mm -hmm. we've, we've had to each grow on our own. Like from my standpoint, I had to recognize my mom as an individual, not just mm -hmm. mom and the pedestal that we have them up on when we're born. Right. 
you have mm-hmm. to kind of break that and recognize who they are. Um, and that's the first step to being able to acknowledge and be aware of their emotions in a conversation. But it, part of it's also habitual. Like it's it takes practice to speak gently and compassionately with mm-hmm. other people. So it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 100%. Um, has, have any of you said something to the other one that was hurtful <laughs> and couldn't take back because it's already out of your mouth? How do you work past and really squash when something like that happens in your relationship and really put it behind you, not harbor it for the next time that you're mad? Also takes practice, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, we, um, we put it away. It's a, it's a thing. My husband laughs at us because he's like, oh yeah, sure. Just let it all go. But the truth is, is we do that. That is exactly what we do. Something happens, we're angry or mad or hurt because we're, we mess up. Yeah. I mean, we're humans. We, we hurt each other unintentionally, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the key is we know deep down that the hurt is unintentional. Right. Mm -hmm. And so being able to say, Hey, these words or that action hurt me. And then the other person is able to say, to you know, recognize that, acknowledge that, that, and then, you know, maybe that wasn't their intention, but recognize that it still hurt the other person, acknowledge no. it. And we also, apologize. We, and we also have just like a standing practice of, okay, this is a tense conversation and we're both feeling some emotions right now. So we're going to schedule this talk so that we can go back and think about it and and approach it from a, a standpoint of not emotionally charged mm, and, like and just old, put it away. That is something we've learned to do. Yeah. A lot of like compartmentalization practice. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wendy and Jennifer. Um, I would, there's been times when Jennifer and I have been having a conversation and it does get a little bit emotional or heated. And, you know, one of us will just say, I can't have this conversation with you right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just a boundary. It's just like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's just, go to a different, different topic. But honestly, I mean, even when you were in high school, Jennifer, I don't recall, (laughs) I don't recall you ever being hurtful in your words. Like even when we were arguing, like, I don't, I don't really recall that we were just both arguing, like our stances on something, what I thought was best for her, you know, obviously then she, what she thought was best for her. Um, but I don't, I don't really recall using like hurtful words. I think interpretations of that a little bit, like I would say something like, well, you're acting really dumb right now. And oh, you're calling me dumb. No, I didn't say that. You know, that's where that literal and figurative thing comes. Yeah. But I mean, I, I feel like once we had that argument and kind of went to our corners, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of that put it in a bubble, blow it away moment. Like we we never really called back to it. Like, oh, well, remember back then you said this. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. re- unless I'm wrong, but I don't recall us really doing that. Like we just kind of move forward from that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it was when we were, when, when I was a teenager and we like, you know, when we first started really arguing, arguing where we would have those moments, um, I think that it's, it's less that we carried them into the rest of our, you know, our day or the next argument that we have. It's just that we had more arguments. Yeah. We had, yes. they were more often. I can't, I don't remember the last time me and you had a disagreement 
like a disagreement. Like we've had right. moments where we've had to be like, hey, I'm too emotionally charged for this. I yeah. can't do that. Um, but I don't think we've had like a real like like actual disagreement, even just had having like words with each other, like a discussion. I don't think we've had that happen in quite a while. Yeah, it's it's been quite a few years now. Yeah. Um, I like that you said put it in a bubble and blow it away. <laughs> yep. That's, She's been telling that since I was very little. I used amazing. to lie like, awake at night. I would lay in bed and I would just panic and stress over all the things. I was very young when I started doing that. Mm -hmm. um, about like things that I couldn't control and in, in the moment. And I would, you know, wake mom up in the middle of the night because I can't sleep and I'm upset and I'm stressed. And she would very gently be like, can you do anything about it right now? And I'd be like, well, no, of course not. And then she'd say, then put it in a bubble and blow it away. And I went, okay. And that's been something I've made, I've, I've retained that for my whole life. And I've used that phrase for other people. I like, it's, it's had a huge influence on me. I think it was my first, my first coping mechanism. I love it. I got it from a TV show from the eighties or nineties, uh, Dharma and Greg. She said it in that show and it stuck with me. Dharma and Greg, it stuck with me. <laughs> I love it. Well, words of wisdom, Dharma and Greg. What's your favorite aspect of your relationships? I would say for me, honesty. I, I like that we can have really raw, honest. Jennifer tends can overshare sometimes. And I could be honest and say, okay, put my fingers in my ear, la, 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 la. Okay, talk to Antina about that. Um, <laughs> but, I think, but it's a good thing because I think that honesty and, and trust even for those, those two really dark moments that we had to face kind of together where I had to help Jennifer in those moments, the fact that she came to me in both of those situations Yep. that's that's a trust and knowing that we have that i feel like there's really nothing else that can you know come in our paths that we can't tackle yeah i like that i mean for me well i i just want to say i think jennifer you and i should be friends <laughs> oh absolutely i can be that warrior i think you are great <laughs> so, um but for me it's all of it. I know that sounds like the cliche out, like, but it really is. And I just, it's knowing that she's, she's the first person I want to talk to when something good happens, right? She's the first person I want to call when I need somebody to talk to. And, and car concerts. What? <laughs> car concerts and car concerts. That's true. We can go on. What was it like a 12 hour? We did a 12 hour road trip. One yep, time. Absolutely. And we did not repeat a single song on the playlist. We sang the entire time. Yeah. We knew the words to probably 90 for 95% of all the songs that we played. It was great. Um, and just so like memories like that. I like that. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell a story from the past between the two of you that was most special. So whoever wants to go first, share a special story from the past between the two of you. I'll go quick. Um, it's more recent, I would say, but I'm a member of a women's networking 
group, a connection company, and there was an event in 2021, and I invited Jennifer to come with me. And not, I didn't, I bought her a ticket and I didn't realize that she was only supposed to come to like the dinners on Friday and Saturday night. And I, I had her in tow the entire time with me. And we had, it, it was such an amazing weekend. We danced our butts off on Friday night. And I didn't realize this was like a, a mo an aha moment for me when I realized how special our relationship was. So many women came up to me and said, I wish I could dance and have that much fun with my daughter the way we're watching you. And I was Aww. like, holy cow. <laughs> that was a great weekend. <laughs> I, can, I can build off of that and um, the dancing people complimenting us for how we can have fun and dance together. It's because we've been doing it most of my life. I remember I learned, was it, I want to say the Macarena and the electric slide in our kitchen from my mom when I was very, very little. And I have memories of that, of learning it in our kitchen um, of my childhood home. Um, and like, it's been, it's been ingrained in me at this point that I can do, you know, so many line dances, so many dances just without, like just don't even have to think about it, I can just do it because it's just something that we bonded over. Just music in general too. I, I love your guys' story about the singing in the car because me and mom do that too. <laughs> Especially when like Prince comes on poison, we got it. We're 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 great. We do we've got got the nail thing, got all the little little it's great. Anyway. <laughs> but that's a happy memory for me. That's something that like I like that's just pure fun. And I love that I can have fun with my mom. Like I that we we really have like pure joy. Like just I have many many memories of just solid fun and just enjoyment and peace. I love that. Kelly and Abigail. Um, I'm gonna say our travels. No. Huh? I'm like, there's honestly, there's so many in China. Yeah, there's so many. Down. But we we love to travel together. Um, we've done quite a few trips. It's kind of been when things have gotten really hard and there's been a lot of like exterior influences. We we run to the road, <clears throat> to be honest. And kind of get our center back and those are always super special times. I mean, we've been to Italy together and That's on a river cruise in Germany together. We drove, you know, three and a half weeks across country and back. And so our travels are probably some of my most special moments. I was yeah. specifically, I was thinking of the day that the two of us cut lost in Venice together with and purposefully with intention. Um, it was pretty wonderful. We had it was just the two of us, the day to ourselves after two weeks of being in Europe. Um, the first week spent with our whole family. Yeah. Right. And then the second week was just the two of us on the river cruise. And we had like one last day in Venice or something like that. Um, and so we were like, you know, let's just, let's just get lost. And it was, so we like, we came across these little like hole in the wall restaurants and like some of the cutest little like uh, houses apartments and apartments and, and, it, and yeah it, oh my gosh it was, it was a, we got to see a side of venice that most people don't get to see and we straight up just walked until we were like all right time to turn around and gps our way back out so yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great awesome what advice do you girls have for new girl moms coming into parenthood mm -hmm. 
Jeez. <laughs> so, no, actually I do. I do have some, it's funny. This just came a couple of weeks ago when I was with a girlfriend, um, out here in Rhode Island, we were standing by the lighthouse and I was telling her the story of the lighthouse. And then I related it to the mother daughter journey because lighthouses don't go out into the ocean and find the lost boats. They just stand there and shine, do their best so that the boats can find their way home. And I think that's really, I wish I had known that when the girls were younger. Like if I just worried about me shining and learning how to cope with things and, and teaching them by example, just showing them how to love themselves and guiding them and not trying to steer them or go out and fix things for them, um, life would have been a lot easier. So yeah, be a guide and not a director, I guess would be my advice. I like that. Abigail? <laughs> she's like i'm not a mom i can't do it no <laughs> but i mean if you were to guide your a mother coming in from a daughter's perspective right. what would you say to a new mom of a, a new daughter listen okay um yeah i think a lot of my experience anyway a lot of the issues that popped up in our relationship were not necessarily even our issues. They were kind of um, either generational or societal pressures that we put on our relationship and on ourselves. And I think from listening from a very young age to what your daughter needs um is key instead of because it, it kind of falls right in line with what she was saying about being a guide listen yeah. and be a guide instead of trying to direct or steer um like because it. that's when those expectations start to become it, it you as the mother you're steering with the intention of your daughter living the best life possible and finding happiness and being loved and getting all of the things that she deserves. Um, but what ends up happening is these expectations get put on her shoulders of who she thinks she's supposed to be. And she's not able to find herself. Um, so listen. That's a great Wendy. Um, two words came to mind, patience and therapy. <laughs> I think therapy yes. Amen. As a mother healing yourself will be the biggest gift you can give to your daughter. And then letting her know that you know, it's okay to have struggles and, you know, mental health things that, you know, therapy is not a bad thing. Therapy is a very positive thing. And if she watches you heal, that's going to help her heal, you know, especially with those of us coming from generational traumas. Yeah. Jennifer? Um, I would say, uh, talk about feelings, make sure that they know what those are and that they exist and that they are theirs that feel their feelings are their own and that's okay and that even when you have negative feelings they don't have to control your entire life like i think that one of the best things you can do for daughters and well most for kids in general that mothers could do for their daughters is talk about like talk about feelings have have like this language in your household like let them see you 
talking about those things let them hear you using phrases about like like when apologizing when you do something that you know hurts their feelings or or like when you're having a really bad day look be like look I'm having a I'm I'm having a bad day that's okay that doesn't mean I'm bad that doesn't mean you're bad it's just like let them feel their emotions and know that that's okay um because I think that's something that we all struggle with like I I I think we all kind of have had to overcome like you know those dark feelings those not good feelings that sit in your chest sometimes um and everybody has their own version of that and like help them build coping mechanisms help them build a foundation to go off of so that they're not leaping off of you know they're not like diving off a cliff with no parachute um you're giving them like at least if they have no parachute at least they have like a mattress underneath them when they fall or something <laughs> provide them with something so that they will know how to speak about what they're feeling themselves too like it's because it, I mean, you guys are teaching them how to communicate, right? And I think that that's, I don't know, I think that's a, a really good way to build on, on like how to build a, a life and how to build a relationship and how to build like anything really. But that's my two. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm going to wrap things up. I just want to say, ladies, thank you so much for having this conversation with me going so deep. I didn't expect it to go as deep and I'm so grateful. And you've helped me in some of the things that I've gone through in my own mother daughter journey by just sharing some of the experiences that you've all shared with me. Does anybody have any final thoughts that they would like to add? No, just thank you so much for yeah. allowing us to share. Yeah. And thank you for having us. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Let's thank go you. around if you want to just say hey this is where you can find me if you want to hear more from me or whatever let's go around the room and tell people where you can be found and what you're doing all right well i <laughs> you go first yeah <laughs> so if you want to hear more um from the mother-daughter duo specifically kelly and abigail we have a podcast called The Mother Daughter Journey, where we like if if you thought this was deep, wait, <laughs> yeah, buckle up, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag real talk on the way. Hashtag real talk, yes. Um, and then we also have our Mother Daughter Journey Facebook page and the .md .journey on Instagram. Um, and I, I also am starting to stretch out and speak in um schools and places where there's teens and adolescents um to talk about masking and how real it is and how we move past it yeah all the things she said and linkedin <laughs> i haven't quite gotten to linkedin yeah <laughs> <laughs> For me, uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just look under Wendy Babcock. And um, my website is wendybabcockspeaks.com. Um, otherwise, um, you can connect with myself, Kelly, and Abigail at Warrior Unchained Live in September. They'll be there speaking, and Jennifer will be there with her art. So you can connect with all of us. <laughs> in person. Yes. Yep. 
And Jennifer, where can people see more of your art? Because I know that I love your art. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm trying to get some people who collect art to buy some of your art. So where can people see more of your art? Um, well, actually, I have uh, my website's down right now um, because I have been working on my own problems recently um, and kind of putting that off. But uh, you can see my art if you are a local Mostyn person. I have my art at the O-Arts Co-op in Mostyn. Um, right when you walk in, it's right up the stairs, and it's first wall you see is my stuff. Amazing. <laughs> Jennifer's also on TikTok. You can find oh, her under From Scratch, where she actually will show you as she's doing some of her work, and you get to see the progress as she's working on it. Very cool. That is actually very cool. <laughs> well, thank you all. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know y'all are busy, and I know that the three of you, Wendy, Kelly, and Abigail, will be live later on Facebook on Wendy's page. So I will be joining you there. And Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for spending time listening to our conversation. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe, like, and share so we can reach more listeners with our powerful messages. And stay tuned to hear about our affiliates and recommendations. They change from episode to episode.